All right, and welcome into the very first episode of the Hockey News Podcast on the OHL. I am one of your hosts, Tony Ferrari, and with me today is OHL expert and one someone, if you follow the OHL, you've probably heard about him on Twitter and follow him on Twitter yourself. And that's Brock Otten. How are you doing today, Brock? Good. How are you doing, Tony? Not bad. I'm excited to be here doing this podcast. I know uh, we're going to be doing a few different podcasts in the hockey news, uh, OHL, QMJHL, WHL, some U.S. content as well. So I, I couldn't think of anyone better to do an OHL one than you. So uh, you ready to get started? I'm flattered. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. All right, so uh, we've got a few segments, basically, that we're going to be doing every week. Uh, different things every week, uh, stuff like three stars, tw- 2023 draft profiles, uh, team of the weeks, monthly power rankings, all that stuff. Uh, anything you're looking forward to specifically, Rock? Yeah, you know what? The one thing that I, I love doing about podcasts is just conversing with fans, too. Uh, you know, we were talking on social media today, and there seemed to be quite a bit of interest in, in us doing this podcast. So answering some uh, mailbag questions every week is always a sort of fun endeavor because it really does uh, stretch your line of thinking sometimes, right? Uh, some of the things that people come up with or things that people are curious about. Yeah, and that's a big thing, too, right? With the OHL being a league that not everyone necessarily gets to watch on a weekly basis, Having a, a reliable source such as a podcast like this, especially with the hockey news with someone like yourself, that we can kind of rely on and actually have information going out to fans every week. Uh, the one thing I thought was really interesting that we're going to be doing is a team of the week, basically. So every week we're going to be covering an NHL team. This week we'll get to it a little bit later, and it's going to be the Boston Bruins. And we're basically just going to break down some of their prospects, kind of give a look at what they're looking like from the, from the OHL and go from there. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get started, man. All right, so I figured easiest place to get started since we're on the first episode. The season's a couple weeks into into play now, so I figured we get started on some early season surprise and disappointment. So who's uh, surprised you as a team so far this year? Yeah, I, I think I have to go with the Kingston Frontenacs. I think, uh, you know, talking to people and, and just in my own opinion, I expected them to sort of be towards the bottom of the East after some, you know, good runs and with Shane right now being in Seattle, to, at least to start the season, who knows what happens. And uh, I just did not see them playing as well as they have. Um, and I, I mean, is it sustainable? I don't know. I think we'll find out in the next month or two. But uh, at this point, uh, they're, they're the big surprise for me uh, as a team anyway. Yeah, it's been really interesting because with them, with Shane Wright obviously leaving to Seattle, there was expected to be a step back a little bit in Kingston, and they haven't really done that. They've looked really, really good, almost better than when they had Shane Wright. So now seeing Shane Wright get six minutes in his first game, healthy scratched a couple times, not much in his second game. Is he going to come back? If he does come back, how big of a boost is that going to be for this team? That, that's my big question with Kingston. Uh, if he does come back, how where do you see Kingston possibly finishing in the East? Yeah, I mean, that that's a really good question. And just to sort of piggyback on that, does Kingston still look at moving him? I mean, they they kind of loaded up these last few years uh, and gave up uh, young players, picks, things like that um, for a rather disappointing run last year, right? And now Shane Wright comes back. Do they see themselves as a contender in the East with Wright returning and with how well they've played early on? Or do they say, okay, you know, let's, let's retool a little bit. Let's use Wright as a trade piece. Let's bring in he would obviously fetch at least one good young player and a boatload of draft picks. So that would help them sort of rebuild around maybe uh, another run in a year or two with Lewinsky and, um, you know, future draft picks or, and the player that they bring in for right. Um, 
it's going to be a question that they're going to have to ask. And I think that they'll probably still have a little bit of time. If Wright does come back, I think he'll get that full sort of like nine game look with Seattle. Even if they are scratching him, that that might stretch it out, right? Like we might not see Wright back if he does get returned till after say the world juniors, right? Like Seattle could stretch this out, send him to the world juniors. And then afterwards make a decision on sending him back to the OHL. We've seen that before uh, with yeah. CHL prospects. Um, and then it becomes a, a, a really tough choice for the front max management. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And another team that kind of surprised me to start the year is the Ottawa 67s. I, I expected them to take a step this year, but the fact that they haven't lost a game yet, six games into the season, they're 6-0, and and they've looked really good doing it. Every time I watch them, I've watched four, I think four out of their six games, they just look like almost they're a class above the team that they're playing, and it's been really interesting because – like I said, I expected them to be young, uh, a young up-and-coming team, a team that's got some guys like Luca Pinelli, Luca Pinelli who's making that step in his draft year, going to be a, kind of a bigger player. Oh, uh, Beck is going to be another guy that's going to be doing things. And it's like, what what was this team supposed to be? I, I thought they were going to be kind of sneaking into the bottom half of the playoffs, finishing 6-7-8, but they've been perfect so far. How do you think they're going to end up going? And, and do you see them being an actual power in the OHL this year? Yeah, coming into the year, I kind of saw them as one of those middle-of-the-pack teams in the East. Um, maybe somebody who would finish anywhere between, like, say, four and seventh. Um, but, I mean, you can't argue with with your choice here, Tony. They, they're undefeated so far. or They're playing fantastic hockey. Uh, a lot of their younger guys, like you mentioned Pinelli, but they've got a, a bunch of other guys in, I would say, elevated depth roles um, who are, are doing really, really well. Um, they've drafted really well the last few years. Uh, their veterans are playing well. Um, their goaltender, Maximoso, is playing well. Like, um, really, they're firing on all cylinders. And I think that they're also a team that's that's definitely surprised early on in the OHL season. Um, is it sustainable? Uh, the the first couple months in the OHL, I mean, you know, Tony, are so hard to, to predict sustainability. Um, how often do we see a player explode out of the gates in the CHL and the OHL um, leading the scoring race, and then, you know, after the first 20 games there, below the point-per-game mark, the final 40, right? Um, it, it's very, very tough. Um, but at the same time, you have to like what uh, what you're seeing uh, from the 67s and that positive step forward that you, that you mentioned. Um, another guy would be like Jack Beck, right? There's a guy that maybe – the 67 is going to use as a, as a trade chip if they weren't playing incredibly well, uh, probably in his last year, unless he gets signed or if he doesn't get signed, that is um, he could return for an OA year, but um, yeah, uh, between Ottawa and Kingston, uh, sort of that Eastern Ontario region is, uh, is looking really good so far this year. Yeah. And I mean, the, the surprise player I have for this, this little segment here is, is Luca Pinelli, a guy that is in his draft year. I think the, the name value there alone kind of gets him a little bit of love with, with his brother kind of being a guy that's been drafted by the Kings. So, but I, I didn't know what to expect of Luca this year. I, there were flashes last year and stuff of, of really nice play uh, I, throughout his development. This year he's five goals, five assists, 10 points, Right in the top of the, right near the top of the OHL scoring list, and I, I don't think he stays there throughout the year. But I really wasn't expecting him to kind of be leading the way almost with all draft eligibles in the OHL. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, especially when you look at how he performed at the Helenka Gretzky uh, evaluation camp. I, I thought he was good at the camp. Uh, I don't think he was a shocking omission. Um, 
but uh, he's definitely somebody who's got himself now firmly on the draft radar. Obviously, he was he was quite firmly on it uh, before the season started, but I'm talking about more as like a top 60 selection of kind of like his brother Francesco, right? Um, I think that the one thing with Luca is that he's shown sort of a bit of more snarl uh, than Francesco did in his draft year, and I think that's going to definitely serve him well uh, as the year continues, especially when you're playing for the coach that he is in, in Ottawa, right? That's somebody who really, really appreciates that kind of play. Yeah, exactly. Now, who did you have as your surprising player so far to start the year? I had to go with uh, Joey Willis in Saginaw, uh, a rookie that's sort of, I wouldn't say come out of nowhere. Um, there was a fair amount of hype when he signed with Saginaw uh, as somebody who uh, the expectations were that he was going to come in and play a top nine role for them. But he's been fantastic. I've had a chance to see Saginaw play and he really blew me away. Um, I think that there's still room for him to grow in terms of those physical tools, but he's definitely a, a very high IQ player. He's, He's all over the ice, uh, plays three zones. Um, he looks good with the puck on his stick, but looks good without it. Um, is somebody that Saginaw's relying on for all situations early on in the year and, and looks like a veteran out there and not somebody playing in his first OHL season. And first season really above uh, or at a higher level, I should say, as well, coming from sort of that like AAA loop. Um, he's definitely somebody who's, unlike I said with Pinelli, who's, was kind of already on the draft radar and sort of has elevated his status. I think Willis is somebody who has, has really burst onto the scene in terms of being a, an NHL uh, or a potential NHL selection this year. And uh, just like Pinelli, he's right up near the top of the scoring race early on. And, um, you know, sustainability is going to be a difficult thing for him and for Pinelli. But uh, it's hard not to be impressed with, with the way that he's played and, and coming to the league right away. Yeah, and I think that Saginaw team in general has kind of been a bit of a surprise. Obviously, Michael Misa being there. It's been uh, appointment viewing with, with him kind of being the exceptional status kid there and everything. But before we get to any more positives, I feel like we should probably talk about a little bit of disappointment. So who who's disappointed you a little bit to start the season in terms of a team? You know, people people were hard on me with, with my Kitchener pick. Um, you know, with them, with me putting them sort of uh, towards the upper echelon of the Western Conference to start the year. And I know Scott Wheeler sort of had the same thing. We had a discussion about it. Uh, but it's not Kitchener, honestly. They, I think that they're better than they've, than they've played. I think they've had a bit of bad luck. And they had a really good game the last game out. Now they've got Mishars back. Uh, he's going to be starting to play with them. Um, I think they're going to start to gel as a team. Uh, for me, the biggest one is Guelph. Um, I had really high expectations for them. I think everybody had very high expectations for Guelph as – maybe the, the preseason favorite for the OHL title. Um, and last look, what are, they, what are they doing up 60 goals so far this year already? Uh, yeah. They, they just can't keep the puck out of their net. Um, they're just not playing well. They, they just don't look like they have it together at all. Um, there's a few players who, who have taken positive steps forward, but overall as a collective unit, um, they just don't look good. And the Western Conference is so competitive. That division is so competitive. Um, it's only going to get harder and not easier. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried uh, about them as a team. Um, not worried about Kitchener as much. Like I said, I think they're going to gel. Uh, Guelph, I don't know. I don't, are they going to have to go get a goaltender if uh, Oster is somebody that, that can't handle being the starter on, on a really good team? Um, we'll have to see, but. Uh, that was the first one that really jumped out to me. 
Yeah, and I think the big thing I've I've noticed when I've watched Guelph is just the lack of cohesion. It doesn't seem like anybody's on the same page, and I think that's the big thing that that gotten them in the struggle bus. But the team you mentioned that uh, in Kitchener has been the team that I I think has disappointed me the most so far this year because I saw you and Scott Wheeler talking on Twitter about it, and I was like right on board with you as I'm like, yeah, finally someone else believes in Kitchener. And they've they've kind of let down a little bit to start the year, and like you said, they're getting Mashar back, and they're going to kind of start to gel in, in in everything. But it's been a weird start to the year, and, and like you said, the first 15, 20 games in the OHL is always a little bit hard to judge. And, and my assumption is that Kitchener's at least going to get back to the middle of the pack in the conference. I don't have an actual worry about them missing the playoffs or anything like that. But it has been a bit of a weird start seeing them at the the bottom of the standings league wide. Especially when you throw London in the mix there too. I mean, when yeah. was the last time we we saw that division so poor in the standings, right? In terms of overall standings, I mean, London is another team that just hasn't looked good. Now, do we expect them to to look great? No, not really. Uh, but it like it just kind of goes to what you were saying about it being sort of a weird start to the year. You're not used to seeing some of these teams at the bottom of the standings all at the same time. Yeah, between London, Guelph, and Kitchener, there's three wins combined and uh, a lot more losses. Uh, <laughs> 14, if I'm not mistaken, 15. So it's been a weird start to the OHL year, especially with London kind of falling off. It almost feels like when the Detroit Red Wings first fell off and they started missing the playoffs again, it's like, oh, that's possible? Like, you, you just don't see it <laughs> yeah. from London, right? Yeah, no, it's it's been so long. Um, honestly, I don't remember the last time that, that London sort of went through that real – retool cycle um they've been able to draft really well and and bring in players as well um you know later draft picks uh from the united states uh, imports things like that to keep that sort of cycle going and um this year they kind of swung for the fences with halton in he's not coming as of right now anyway uh, maybe he shows up at some point this year if he's not happy with the ice time he's getting in finland but uh, right now, I mean, that team definitely looks like they're going to, I would assume, sell off at, at some point, whether that means Roshu leaves. Um, he would obviously be an interesting trade chip. Yeah, he's in OA, which throws a bit of a wrinkle into it. But um, the goalie market, there's going to be teams out there. I mean, look at Guelph, for example, right? Um, if they're not happy with their goaltending still, uh, there's, there's a trade chip, right? There's a trade candidate. Yeah, and I think you and I were talking before the podcast about Brochu and how London's done a really good job, especially getting players to the next level. And even a guy like Brochu, who is in that OA year, they're going to look to, if they're not going to be in it this year, they're going to look to put him in a position to succeed because he's going to be looking for a contract in the NHL. He's going to be looking for that that next step. And on a London team that isn't going to really do all that well this year, at least not the way it looks now, it's going to be interesting to see where they do move them because if they move into a team like Guelph, is that what fixes them? If they move them to a team uh, elsewhere in the league. Is that kind of what fixes that team? It gets Brochu on a run, and then he becomes a guy that NHL teams are starting to look at again. Yeah, like you said, uh, they do well by their players. Um, and I do think that if they continue to be sort of in that like six to 10 range, they'll move on from him and, and try to help him out, uh, sending him to a contender. Uh, who that is at this point, way too early to say. I mean, Guelph obviously is, is a name that, that jumps out, as we already mentioned. Um, but I, I think I, if there was a betting line, uh, I think I'd be shocked if Roshu finished the year as a, as a London Knight. All right, let's get to some 2023 draft prospects. My specialty, my area of specialty. Um, for, I'll let you start off with the guy that you think is kind of the most intriguing going into the year in terms of 2023 draft eligibles. 
Yeah, I feel like we're going to say the same guy here too, um, especially since we kind of chatted about this. But at this point of the year, it has to be Cal Ritchie. Um, you know, there were some things that he needed to work on coming into the year. He was already a very impressive player who, you know, had a chance, a very good chance of being a top 10 selection. Um, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to see him sort of improve the consistency of his play away from the puck. Um, maybe take on more of a leadership role with the puck, uh, be a little bit more decisive, um, you know, use his shot a little bit more. And he's coming to this year and he's done all three of those things. And he's really elevated his game to, uh, honestly, an elite level. Um, yeah. He looks like one of the best players in the OHL already this year. Uh, he looks like he's got a game that's going to translate very easily and very well to, to the NHL level. Um, I would say that his off-puck play has, has become uh, another, I would say, elite again. I've uh, just been really impressed with the improvements that he's made. And uh, Coming into the year, I, I did have Cam Allen just like that slight little notch uh, above Richie, uh, only because I, I really liked Allen last year as a rookie, um, and I really liked Allen at the Halinka. and I think that this year is a little bit lower on, on defensive prospects um, for such a good draft year. Yeah, but I think Allen has had. I don't think Allen's been bad. Um, I think he's been better than Guelph has been overall. But you have to look at what Richie's done this year. There's, there's no you. You can't critique it. There's, there isn't anything bad that I have to say about about Richie at this point. Um, and I think that he's definitely probably pushing himself into that like next sort of tier range with like Braden Yeager. Um, and maybe Leo Carlson, uh, sort of that notch down below Fantilli and Mitchkov and obviously Bedard. Yeah, I think the one thing I was talking to somebody about the other day was there, uh, we we're talking about uh, the best two way players in this draft, and we're getting uh, on guys like Fantilli and stuff like that. And someone, someone mentioned that, that, uh, Cal Ritchie is maybe the most underrated two way player so far in this year's draft early in the season because his defensive play and his two way play has improved so much. His, uh, ability to kind of stay responsible in the defensive zone and even through the neutral zone. He's done a really good job of that this year and kind of just taking his game to the next level, like you said. But one of the other guys I wanted to mention was Quentin Musty, who's been a bit up and down this year. And he's a guy that I think is really interesting because when he puts it all together, I think he's among the most talented OHLers in, in, in for this draft. But there's so many times where he just doesn't put it together. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing with him throughout this year. I think he's already had a four-point game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, another two-point game. Then he's had a few games where he's just not touched the puck at all, it seems. So it's going to be interesting to see, Does is he able to kind of figure it out? Because it almost feels like when he's trying to play hero ball, for the lack of a better term, or hero puck, uh, since we're watching hockey here, um, when he's trying to be the hero, that's when he's at his worst. And that's when it seems like he's not able to play his game to the fullest extent. But when he's able to use his teammates and he's able to kind of run the find the lanes in the offensive zone with, when he doesn't have the puck, that's when he's really kind of being able to excel and being able to be the player that we've kind of seen at times throughout the last couple of years. And, and especially for that U.S. national uh, team when they play at the Halinka and everything, he has moments of shining, but it's just so inconsistent that it, it's frustrating at the same time. Yeah, honestly, that's that's an extremely fair critique. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Helenka Gretzky, and that tournament was an absolute roller coaster for him. Um, and one NHL scouting staff is really going to earn their paycheck uh, with his selection at some point. You know, when we get closer to the draft or at the draft, obviously, um, because he's going to be somebody that's going to really 
be under the microscope this year? Um, it, it, what are what are the issues here, right? Like like you said, where is this inconsistency stemming from? Is it a lack of IQ or ability to sort of read and process the game? Well, he makes so many good plays that make you think that he does process the game well. And then he makes so many plays where you're like, what was he thinking? <laughs> so, you know, where is that deficit and how does that deficit get improved? Um, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, he has everything that you look for in sort of that power winger in today's NHL game. Um, and he's extremely skilled. Uh, the, the upside is extremely high, but you have to wonder, you know, is – is he going to scare off some teams with sort of that roller coaster ride that uh, that he tends to show? Um, we saw it last year as a rookie. We saw it at the Lincoln Gretzky Cup. We're seeing it already this year. Um, it kind of reminds me. Uh, like, I don't know if you, you remember Brandon Sod's OHL yeah. year, Tony, but it kind of is starting to remind me of. I'm I'm getting a bit of deja vu covering <laughs> Musty versus covering Brandon Sod, um, and then obviously he fell at the draft because teams were worried about those issues. And obviously he's gone on to become a fairly successful NHL player. Um, maybe not to the upside that people thought, but he's still been, you know, an NHL player, uh, which is obviously a successful draft pick, especially at that, that point in the draft where he was selected in that sort of early second. Um, you know, is that what's on the, you know, what's, what's in line for musty, especially in such a strong draft year, right? Like yeah. there are going to be so many guys who have a similar kind of profile to musty, but are putting it together a little bit more consistently. Um, you, I'll give you an example, right? You, you've got Quentin musty, you've got Colby Barlow, right? That's what two, I was just going to bring up. Two power wingers, right? Barlow already fantastic away from the puck, already a really strong defensive presence can be used in any situation. Extremely smart. In terms of a projection, uh, as a high upside player in the NHL, both of them are probably at that same sort of level, right? You're probably if both hit the way that they should, they're they're top six swingers. Um, yeah, probably potential thirty goal scorers at, at the very minimum. But which one is the safer pick at this point? I mean, it's definitely Barlow. Yeah. Uh, so there's going to be a bunch of other guys throughout every other league that have that same kind of profile as Musty in, in this strong year for forwards, especially. Um, you know, what is that, you know, art, how afraid of team or how afraid of him our team's going to be. Right. Um, and that's something we'll have to see. I know that's a very long winded answer, but he's just such a complex player. And he's going to be somebody that I think frustrates people like you and I and NHL scouting staffs all season long. Yeah. And that's just it. I was going to say, I think with Kobe, Colby Barlow, you see a lot of the same elements and a lot of the same things coming out of his game. In I look at Quentin Musty, and when Musty's absolutely on his game and at his best, I think there is probably a little bit more upside there. But are, is the inconsistency going to hold him back, like you said? So it, it's going to be a really interesting year for the OHL and draft eligibles. Uh, you mentioned Cam Allen. There's also Ethan Medema and uh, Windsor. There's also Raycrop and, and Kitchener. There's so many different guys that are going to be really interesting. Luke Patelli is another guy we already mentioned. So Bruce it's good. Yeah, well. it's exactly, just endless, right? right? We're not the dub, but we have so we have some good prospects for this draft too. Yeah, exactly, right? The dub's a, a little loaded for this year's draft, but it's okay. Uh, they, they they could use a couple guys coming out of that league once in a while. That's right. <laughs> All right, so let's move to the team of the week. I mentioned earlier that we're going to kind of talk about the Boston Bruins and their prospects in the OHL. They've got four guys: Matthew Poitras, uh, 
Brett Harrison, Ryan Mast, and Jackson Edwards. I think the big one to talk about is to start at least is Brett Harrison. Missed the start of the season because he had a broken fibula, got it broken in, in preseason, went to Bruins camp, kind of was just around the team, not really doing a whole lot because of the injury. Been in two games, he got he's got a goal already. What are kind of your expectations this year now that he's two plus years out of his draft? Yeah, you know what? The big thing I'm slightly concerned about is the fact that his injury was a leg injury and a, and a fairly severe leg injury, right? The big thing for Harrison is, as been since being drafted, is to improve his skating. And yep. I don't think I really saw that step forward last year in, in his overall mobility and his quickness. Um, and now that that injury's occurred, how's that going to hamper that development early on this season? Um, I think that's something to, that the Bruins are definitely going to be really looking at. Um, he, he's a good player. Um, I think that it's just about finding that niche at the next level. Um, and I think that's, it's going to be easy for him to, to really settle in and play a lot of minutes for Oshawa once he's fully healthy. Um, you know, they're a team sort of in that middle of the pack towards bottom of the pack in the Eastern Conference. Um, he might even be a, a trade candidate at some point this year as well to a contender, which would be good for his development. Um, but he's already going to be playing in all situations. And uh, for him, it's always, you know, there is an interesting uh, skill set there. Um, he's a very versatile player. Uh, again, just improving that quickness uh, is still the focus. And um, I, I think he's probably sort of like a bubble guy in terms of whether he does get signed or, or not. He's going to need a big year. And I, I do think he's going to have a good year. Um, but uh, that, that leg injury does concern me a little bit. Yeah, that was my thing, too, is because, as you mentioned, the skating and especially the pace he plays at sometimes, he likes to ramp it down. And when he doesn't have that elite, elite skill level, I look at a guy like Cole Perfetti a few years ago, who right. he loved to ramp it down and take the pace right out of the game at times. But he had that extremely high skill level, that passing ability. Like, all those tools were elite, whereas Brett Harrison tries to do a lot of the same things pace-wise, and he just doesn't have that same skill level. So now with this leg injury as well, is he going to be able to have success or is he going to kind of wind up more as a trigger man? And that's kind of my biggest worry for him. Uh, does he become that in Oshawa? Does he become that, like you said, as a trade trip? It's going to be interesting. But uh, Matthew Potras had a pretty good start to the season. Uh, eight points in seven games already. Eight penalty minutes. He's a positive plus two on a Guelph team that has not been great, as we mentioned. So what has kind of been your thing? Because my read on him lately, especially last year, was really skilled at times, works hard sometimes he disappears kind of especially in the open ice so what's kind of your gauge for him this coming this season yeah honestly tony i agree completely um he's a guy that i've kind of wondered what the role is going to be for him at the next level right um he's skilled but is he skilled enough to be a top six player um does he have the drive i mean he's not the, the biggest guy is he going to be able to fill out and and improve sort of the consistency of his physicality to be a more natural fit to the bottom six. Um, obviously, that means getting a little bit quicker too, just the way the pace of the NHL is played. Um, and just what teams are asking their bottom six to play like nowadays. Um, so yeah, he's a guy that I think the physical tools are really gonna have to improve over the course of his next two years in the OHL. But I do like it. I do think that he was a good pick by the Bruins. It was sort of where they had him. That's kind of where I was sort of slotting him in that like second, third, maybe even early fourth range, sort of in that sandwich. Um, and he's had, he's had a pretty good start. He's one of the few Guelph players that has looked pretty good. Um, and uh, let's sort of see if he can take on that leadership role and get this team out of the funk. And 
Um, I think that would be great for his his development. And I think that, you know, um, the key for him is, is to improve sort of that small area skill too, like you said, like being able to excel in traffic because um, he's not the quickest and he's not the biggest. So um, improving that's going to be a main focus too. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because like you said, He's been really good for Guelph so far this year in a year that they haven't been good so far. Is he going to be the guy that kind of pulls them out of it? And I think he, he has a really good chance to do it because, like you said, at the OHL level, I think his skill and everything will play up. He's going to score quite a bit, I think, this year. Does does he have the ability to pull his team right out of the basement, though? That's going to be the interesting part. Now, Ryan Mass for the Sarnia Stings already got six assists in seven games this year. He's a minus one. And he's got uh, four penalty minutes so far. Uh, what's been kind of your gauge on him this year? Because he's been a guy that I've watched Sarnia play, and there have been times where I just absolutely don't notice him. And then there are times where he, he does seem to make some pretty decent plays and, and plays with a pretty decent IQ. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, Mass is another guy where the overall sort of forward mobility was probably the focus coming into the year and improving that a little bit more. Um, and that's going to be the focus over the course of the season as well. I think when we look at Mass, he's probably a guy that's going to project as – more of like a shutdown type at the NHL level. Um, so I think continuing to improve his ability in his own end, um, developing into more of that shutdown type. Uh, I think he makes a good, uh, really good exit pass. I think his his general general decision-making with the puck is pretty sound. I think it has been since he kind of entered the league as well. Um, so I don't think that's ever really been an issue. Um, you know, whether it's a confidence thing or a lack of skill, you know, there isn't really a, sort of an offensive standout quality to his game, I would say. And I think that's sort of why I, I kind of see him in that sort of uh, shutdown type role uh, in the future, um, maybe in like sort of like a third pairing role. I don't think the upside is, is significant, but I, I do like him as a prospect. And I think that he's probably going to have a pretty good year for a Sarnia team that, that should be in the middle of the Western Conference. And uh, he's going to play a ton. So he's definitely going to get the opportunity to to improve sort of his offensive skills and confidence as well, too. Yeah, he, he to me every time I watch him and every time I really focus in on him, knowing that he's a Boston Bruins pick, I, I just look at him and I go, "Oh man, this is gonna be a guy that ends up on their third pairing, has good underlying numbers, doesn't put up a ton of counting stats, but just plays a solid game for the Bruins." And mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's how he ends up at the end of the day. Like you said, a good shutdown guy on the third pairing. Uh, but the, the fourth guy and the last guy they have in the OHL is Jackson Edwards, and this is a guy that hasn't really produced offensively at all. Just one assist in five games for the London Knights. As we mentioned, London's not a great team so far this season. Hasn't played up to their usual standard. What have you kind of noticed in the Edwards game? Yeah, so it's interesting kind of transitioning from Mass to Edward because I feel like Edward is kind of uh, at the point that Mass was maybe a couple of years ago. Um, it's about sort of finding that confidence in that sort of role at the OHL level. Um, London's defense has been so crowded. Um, you know, he's somebody that needs to break in with, uh, significant ice time to, to really build that confidence at, at this level and, and learn to, to make plays with the puck and not just chip out and defer to his defensive partner, right? Uh, at this point, I just don't see, and I, I didn't last year, and I, I still haven't this year so far, uh, see a guy that has significant upside as an offensive defender. So it's going to be about how the Hunters can sort of form him into that defensive specialist, um, which they've had success doing. Um, you look at some of the other players that have come through that system um, in, you know, the last decade or, or two, you're Dan Girardi, you're Mark Mathieu, you're like, there's, there's a list, right? Like, and can Edward be the next in line of that? Uh, 
who knows? It's, it's way too early to say. Um, but uh, that's sort of a, the trajectory that he's going to have to take to be an NHL prospect, in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it as well. He's a guy that he's got a long road ahead of him if he wants to get there. Um, does he end up as a career AHL or does he end up as a guy that kind of plays in the minors and, and works as a call up in the NHL? It's going to be interesting because I do think there's a long road there. I, I don't know where that upside ex- eventually lands. Ultimately, I do kind of think he does end up as that guy that works in the minors and maybe never makes it to the NHL, but maybe has a, a decent pro career outside of it. And at the end of the day, that's still a, a pretty high level of hockey and a, a really su- successful hockey career uh, leaving the OHL. So I was saying about uh, how Bryce Montgomery and, and other players, defenders that could take it in the mid to late rounds, um, you know, you look at some of those physical tools, right? They skate well, they've got some size. How's it all going to come together for them? And sometimes it, it just doesn't, right? And other times it does, and you get your Colton Perenkos, right? And other times it doesn't, and you get your, you know, Bryce Montgomery. Uh, I not mean to pick on him, but, you know, he's somebody who's no longer in the OHL, now in the USHL, so he's got a long road ahead of him. Um, it, uh, it's a bit of a numbers game, right? Yeah, it really is. And at the end of the day, not everyone makes it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where these guys end up for the Bruins. Uh, A team many people in Ontario love to just watch and cheer for as Leafs fans are in this province. And it's always wonderful to see the guys that are eventually going to break our hearts in Game 7. But uh, let's get some OHL award picks. Uh, It's start of the season, early, early season. So it's a good time to get some OHL picks in, kind of, to make our best guesses at, at who's going to emerge as some of the best players in the league. So I think we start off with the Red Tilson, the most outstanding player award. Who's your pick for that award, the OHL's MOP? So preseason, I had Brad Clark, and I saw that was a kind of like a, a sexy pick. I saw a lot of people with that same one, but it really looks like he's going to stay in L.A. the way that he's playing. Um, you know, he forced – Spence to the minors. Um, he kind of is slowly taking over Sean Dursey's role. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to come back to Barry uh, at this point. Um, so that means plan B. Uh, I think at this point, you've got sort of two choices um, either Brennan Hoffman or Pavel Minchikov. I think the two of them sort of looks, I would say, a bit of a class above everybody else. And uh, Offman is just continuing where he left off from last year. And I think Flint's going to have a really good year. And then you look at Minchikov, who Saginaw has been way better than I think that people expected. And he's been an absolute standout. Um, he's basically doing whatever he wants on the ice. And uh, when we look at the Tilson, right, we're looking at the best player, right? It's, we're not looking at the MVP. Right? The way that the wording of the award is, um, is the best player in, in the OHL. And I think that those two if Clark doesn't return, um, which seems like a long shot, uh, those two definitely look like the early favorites. Yeah, I think I have the same two in there. I think Othman's the guy I lean to at the moment. And like you said, it is the MOP, not the MVP. Um, both these teams will probably kind of, I think, end up in the middle of the pack, uh, not necessarily at the top of the standings. I think a, a dark horse that I, I do have for myself, though, is David Goyette. I think this year in, in Sudbury, he could have a big year scoring a ton. And maybe he's the guy that kind of ends up being in the, the third guy in that group. But if I'm making a pick this year so far, it's probably Brennan Othman. Just the way he's able to kind of take over games at times, the way he's able to kind of just mix being the pest and being the, the top offensive player as well. It, it's going to be really fun to watch him this year. Yeah, I mean, 
it sounded like he was fairly close or he had a good camp for the Rangers as well. And they just had so many good young players that the, it made sense for them to send him back to, to Flint. Um, and he's just been um, outstanding so far. Um, I think he's really taken his game to the next level and really rounded out uh, sort of his offensive profile. He's, he's more than just sort of that trigger man now and has really taken his game to, to that next level, which is, which is really great for, for Rangers fans and great for the Rangers organization because he's really elevated his status as a prospect, I think. All right. Now, let's, let's make our picks for the Eddie Powers Memorial Trophy, the top scorer in the league. Is this going to be one of the MOP picks, or is this going to be someone else for you? I would go Offman again. I think even though he's going to miss some time for the World Juniors, um, I think that's that's a given uh, at this point. Um, I think he's still going to be able to sort of hold on to that lead. Um, I don't I don't see Minchikov continuing to perform statistically at this level. Uh, I mean, it's not unheard of. Uh, the last player to or last defender to win the Red Tilson uh, was Ryan Ellis, like over a decade ago, yeah. and he was sort of on that same uh, point trajectory that our trajectory that Minchikov is on right now. Um, but it's so hard to sustain for, for a defender. So I think Offman is just the, the safe choice at, at this point for uh, the Eddie Powers. Yeah, I think Offman's the easy choice. Like I said, David Goyette, I think maybe he's up there. Um, th- there's other names, though. Like I, I don't know if a guy like uh, Josh Bloom is able to keep up his scoring pace. On, on Saginaw, they keep going the way they are. Is a Tucker Robertson going to be able to kind of pop off again like he did last year? Um, maybe Ty Voigt is able to kind of lead Sarnia. At the end of the day, I do think it's going to be uh, probably Brennan Othman, but it, there, there's other names, and it's going to be interesting in the OHL this year to see who it is. Uh, let's move on to the Max Kaminsky Trophy, the Defenseman of the Year. Uh, we've mentioned Pavel Minchukov. Do you think there's anyone other than him that has a chance? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a chance for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think it's going to end up being Minchikov. Uh, it would have been my, – my prediction would have been Clark before the year. Now I, I'd be shocked if it's not Minchikov. Um, yeah, one guy I would highlight maybe is Ethan Del Mastro. I, I think Mississauga is going to have a really good year, and he's already off to a pretty good statistical start. Um, he's somebody who plays a lot, um, you know, and is a valuable player at both ends of the ice, which Minchikov can be, but maybe not quite at that same level as Del Mastro, uh, who's also the captain in Mississauga. So – when, when voters are looking at some of these things, uh, he's somebody who I think will stand out as uh, a candidate to push Minchikov. Yeah, I think Minchikov's obviously the, the front runner here. Uh, Del Mastro's a really good uh, kind of, I don't want to say sleeper pick because he, he could very well finish second among all defensemen in, the, in this regard. I, I think another guy is Leighton Moore, maybe even a Ty Nelson could sneak in there. But I think Leighton Moore, for the same reasons, he plays in, in every situation. He kind of does a lot, a little bit of everything. He does lean a little bit more as a puck mover, but he, his game has really matured over the last couple of years. Now he's captain in Oshawa. So it, maybe he's a guy that works himself into that conversation too. Uh, honestly, at the end of the day, though, I think Pavel Minchikov is going to have so, so many more points than probably any other defenseman in the league that it's going to be almost impossible not to give it to him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And just to add on more, he's going to be somebody that's really heavily coveted towards the trade deadline, I think, yeah. too. Um, so, you know, he if he sticks around sort of that point-per-game mark with the Generals until they ultimately move him, which I, I assume they will at some point this year, um, he could really pop off with a new team surrounded by just a little bit more depth and talent, um, especially if he goes to a team and takes over that sort of top power play role as well. 
Um, it, it could be enough uh, for him to to get close to Minchikov. I think that's another really good um, point to make, Tony. And uh, he's looked really good early on, in my opinion, as well, when I watched Oshawa play. He's definitely taken his defensive game to the next level, I think. Now we get to the goaltender of the year with the Jim Rutherford Trophy. Who is your favorite heading into the year? So heading into the year, it was Benjamin Goodrow. And I kind of still am sticking with that one. It's way too early in the year, I think, to to deviate from that, even though I think he's only been sort of okay to start the year. Um, I think he is the best goalie in the OHL. Um, I think he's the best goaltending prospect in the OHL. And I think Sarnia's got a good team. I think that eventually, you know, everything will sort of level out and he's somebody that's going to have a really strong year. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to ignore uh, some of the strong starts from some other players. I mean, you look at DiVincenzis in, in North Bay, they're going to have a pretty good team, and he's been really good for them to start the season. Um, Zigalov coming from the queue, and and we talked about Kingston early on the, in the, the segment here uh, in the podcast about how they're the surprise team, for me anyway, in the Eastern Conference. And he's probably been the best goaltender so far in, in the OHL this early season. Um, he's been incredible for them. Um, again, sustainable, we'll, we'll find out, right? But uh, I would probably still go with Goudreau. Um, what about you, Tony? What are you thinking? Yeah, Goudreau was my guy heading into the year. But DiVincentis, he's a guy that I've watched him a couple times this year. And I just look at how calm he is in that and how composed he is. And he just seems to be playing at a level that I haven't seen him play at in, in the past. So if he's able to kind of maintain this for the rest of the year, I could see him being the guy that ends up taking this trophy. But like you said, it's really early, especially for goalies. It's so hard to judge goalies while teams are still, especially the first few games of the year, they don't have their NHL guys back yet. Other teams are still adjusting. They're getting their their legs under them. Maybe a month out, we can judge this one a little bit better. But as of right now, yeah, Goudreau, Zhigalov, and DiVincenzis are probably the two guys, three guys, sorry, that uh, kind of hold down the uh, the fort in, in the goalie uh, conversation so far. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing, if, you know, we revisit this in, in a month or two, um, you know, does Brett Brochu move yeah. then, right? And then it's like, okay, well, if Brochu moves in his top three in save percentage or goals against for that new team, that new team is playing well, you know, is he somebody that the voters look at again? Obviously, he is the, the reigning Rutherford uh, winner. So, um, I mean it'd be silly to sort of write him off based on the fact that London has had a bit of a slow start. Yeah. That was the other thing I was going to say is how early does he move? Because if he moves a month in, then I think there's a bit, a big chance for him. But if he's waiting until the trade deadline to get moved and everything, then I think the, the odds of him capturing the Rutherford again are kind of a little bit dampened, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation if he does get moved pretty early. Yeah. And I think the big thing, the, the holdup probably would be the teams that, early on the competitive teams that need another goaltender are competitors with the London Knights. So yeah. how eager is London going to be to move him to say Guelph, right? We saw Kitchener already pick up Constantini, um, which was a great pickup from them or for them from, from Hamilton um, as an away goaltender. So they're obviously not going to be in the market for, for another one um, that leaves somebody like Guelph again, will London move him to Guelph? What about Owen sound? If they're at the top of the stands yeah. again, another competitor of the Knights, right? If they're looking for a veteran netminder, So, you know, that London is for lack of a better term, going to be holding some of these teams hostage in the Western conference if they want Roshi. So I think I kind of see it as something that doesn't quite happen until maybe, uh, towards the trade deadline. 
Yeah, I'm in agreement there, and that's why I kind of left him out initially because if he if he does move that late, it's going to be hard to get the numbers pumped up to uh, get back in the conversation. But let's move on to the conference champions and the and eventually the Robertson Cup champion. So, who do you think you see coming out of the East out of all the teams so far? With Ottawa leading the conference so far as a six no. Ah, preseason, I would have said Barry. Um, I think they've looked pretty good, but not amazing. I kind of think that's kind of been the par for the course for the entire Eastern Conference at this point. They've looked good, but they haven't looked amazing, other than Ottawa. Now, I don't, I just don't see, sorry, 67s fans or 67s organization. I, I don't think that that hot start is extremely sustainable. Um, I feel like I've used that word 8 million times already in the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be a hashtag or something. Um, <laughs> So I'm gonna honestly, I'm gonna stick with Barry. I think that they're they have enough talent that they'll end up figuring things out. I could see them adding some pieces too at some point this year. Um, you know, Peterborough is it was sort of like a sexy choice preseason as well, and they've looked pretty good. Um, I don't think they've looked amazing. I think that they're gonna have to clean some things up uh, in terms of their defensive play, um, their goaltending. Like a lot of the teams in in the OHL is not a sure bet at this point. You look at North Bay, we just talked about DiVincenzis playing so well, that team being, you know, pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I think if I were to pick, it would be between those three right now, even Mississauga being in that sort of range as well. Um, their goaltending has been a lot better. Uh, the import that they brought over, Beglieri, has been pretty good. Um, so, yeah, whenever you're bringing over an import net minor, you never know what you're going to get, right? Um and they sort of put all their eggs in that basket, and he's been good. So um, that's really helped them have a good start too. So it's it's pretty wide open. Um, so, but I, I mean, I, I think I got to stick with with my preseason pick with Barry so far. Yeah, I think Barry and Mississauga were the two teams I was looking at really heavily. But New, nah, North Bay's start so far this year has really intrigued me. I think the way that they've started out with Divincenzis playing as well in net as he has, and. Uh, uh, him and Jiglov probably been the two best goaltenders in the in the OHL so far, and, and I feel like we should mention Kingston a little bit because if they do get Shane right back and they decide, hey, we're going to hold on to him, try to make that run with him that we thought we could make before he left. Maybe this is the year they kind of do it. Maybe with with Shane Wright going back, chip on his shoulder if they don't trade him. I can see maybe Kingston coming out of it. But if I'm making a pick right now without Shane Wright, obviously in the league. North Bay is going to be my pick. I think they're going to be the team that kind of comes out of this Eastern Conference that at the moment kind of looks like a big mess of, of a bunch of teams that have been good but not great outside of Ottawa. Yeah, I agree completely. And I, I think North Bay will also be competitive on the trade market too. Um, I could definitely see them adding a, at least a, a big-name defender on the market to sort of uh, help out Ty Nelson a little bit on that back end and, and try to stabilize things uh, a little bit more because they definitely have the offensive firepower. All right, moving to the Western Conference. Last year, Windsor came out of it, and they're back on top so far this year uh, with four wins and two overtime losses. Do you think they're going to be the champions yet again in the in the West, or do you think someone else has got it so far? I think a lot of that depends on what happens with Y Johnson. Um, yeah. You know, he's had a pretty good start to his NHL career with the Stars, but, um, you know, that doesn't mean much. Mason McTavish was, was pretty good to start last year and ended up getting sent back by the Ducks when he got injured. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, I would say probably it's 50-50 on whether Johnson goes back or not yet. Uh, if he goes back, the, Matthew Maggio already looks fantastic uh, as an OA. Um, you know, the rest of the team is playing really, really well. 
um, some of the younger players um, and depth players on last year's championship winning team. Um, I've really elevated their play, which is obviously a good sign in, in a league that is very cyclical. Um, so yeah, Windsor, Windsor looks really good early on. Um, I think better than I expected them to. Uh, but I think I, I'm still going to go with Flint. Um, uh, Flint or, or Kitchener. Again, I see Kitchener really trending upwards as the season goes on. Um, I think they'll continue to make moves to to bring in players to, to round out their depth. Um, so if I were to pick, it would be either Flint or Kitchener. Oh, boy. Kitchener coming all the way from 10th a week and a half into the season. Just the underdog pick there, eh, Brock? <laughs> I got to stick with it. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I put my eggs in that basket to start the year. So uh, it's one that, I, again, I, I do see that this team continuing to to improve over the course of the year and continuing to add pieces. Um, you know, who would have guessed at the beginning of last year that Windsor was the Western Conference champion, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And even at, even at the start of the playoffs, right? Uh, Windsor had a good year, but I don't think anybody was really expecting them to, to win the Western Conference last year. Um and they did. And there are so many really good competitive teams in that Western Conference. It's, it's extremely wide open. And I think it's going to depend on how these teams come together and what additions they make over the course of the year. You look at a team like Owen Sound, uh, also yeah. really strong. I think they're probably a year away from being like a true championship contender. I think next year they're going to be one of the best, if not the best teams in the OHL. Um, but uh, there, there are so many good teams. So, yeah, I mean, it might be shocking for some people to see or hear me say that Kitchener is somebody that I do think will, will contend. Um, I think if I were to, to change my pick, it would probably be Flint. Um, I do think that Hoffman is, is somebody that's going to really carry that team pretty far um, this season. Yeah, I think uh, Flint's probably the team I was going to go with as well. I feel like being here in Windsor, that's where I live. I should probably lean towards Windsor. And if they get Wyatt Johnson back, it probably does change things a little bit. I do think I'd, I'd probably lean Windsor there because he just is such a game-breaking talent. He'd, he'd really elevate that roster, let guys kind of pump down a little bit on, on that, that lineup sheet and kind of get back in a place where they should be maybe and not have the pressure of having to put up all the points that they've been doing so far. But if Johnson doesn't come back, which probably likely changes our scoring lead, uh, conversation does he get is he able to kind of get into that conversation again MOP um, depending on how soon he does get back if he comes back but yeah I think Flint's the team I choose because Othman's been fantastic I think Kuzman on the back end has been an extremely dynamic talent the last couple of years he's already s scored a couple of nice goals this year from uh, and, and he's just such a fun player to watch I think that Flint team in general plays a really fun aggressive fast brand of hockey and I think that's what we're going to really see from Flint this year and like you said, that, that Eastern Conference is a little bit wide open as a mess and a bunch of teams not playing great but playing good enough. And I think the West so far, you have a lot of teams that are playing competitive hockey. I think that's the difference between two conferences so far is this Western Conference, I think, is really competitive top to bottom. I mean, right now we're looking at London, Guelph, and Kitchener as the bottom three teams, and those are teams we're used to seeing at the, at the top of the standings. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this uh, conference shakes out. But Kitchener or, or Flint is probably my pick. Now let's get to the Robertson Cup. Who do you see as the guy, or as the team, sorry, that, that captures the OHL championship and represents the league in the Memorial Cup? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to go with Flint. Um, again, I, I think that they're a team that is already playing so well. You mentioned they're, they're a fun team to watch because they're extremely skilled, um, but they're also incredibly competitive. Um, yeah. 
all their players play hard and they have three really good lines that they roll out. Um, you've got a great power play led by Othman. And, and like you said, uh, Kuzman's playing really well. Uh, Will Cranley is playing good enough. Um, that's why they brought him in. He didn't have to be the best goaltender in the league. He just had to be not the worst. Right. And uh, he's playing well enough to, to have them right at the top of the standings. And, uh, again, I think they'll supplement that over the course of the season, realizing that this is a year that they have a window to to win a championship. And um, they would be probably my pick at, at this point, I think. Yeah, and I'm going to marry you here again and choose Flint as a team that I think is going to end up winning the Robertson Cup. I think they're just so, so competitive, like you said. They play a fast game. They play a skilled game. They have so many pieces. I mean, even like a guy like Riley Pierce, who's been a really good player for them, over the last couple of years, a guy they acquired a couple of seasons ago, he, he's finally starting to come into his own, be a contributor to that team. How how high can they go? I I, I think they're going to be a really competitive team throughout the season. At the end of the day, I do think they're probably going to win the OHL championship, representing Ontario in the Memorial Cup, and and hopefully taking it home, uh, bringing the Memorial Cup where it belongs in Ontario. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brock, we've uh, kind of covered everything in the first episode of the OHL podcast on the hockey news. So any any last notes or anything you want to get out of the way uh, just uh, on the podcast or anything on the league in general? No, it's just been uh, it's been great to have sort of like a, a normal start to the year again. I mean, I know we did get it last year, but now with the schedule sort of returning to normal, um, you know, it's been great to see teams a little bit more consistently than maybe I did uh, last year with things being still a little bit crazy and um, you know it's great to, to do this with you too Tony I'm excited for for the future episodes it's gonna be great yeah it's gonna be a fun season in the OHL hopefully we have no more of these weird little COVID breaks or anything hopefully everyone stays healthy and we have a good season and like you said this podcast gonna be really fun to do throughout the year covering the league and uh, hopefully getting to some games together and seeing some of the uh, the, the action live absolutely man all right, without further ado, make sure you follow myself on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. Make sure you follow Brock Otten on Twitter at Brock Otten, correct? Yes, sir. Easy enough, just our names, basically. Follow the Hockey News at the Hockey News on Twitter. I mean, all of our names speak for themselves, basically. Um, and without further ado, rate, subscribe, and all those good things. And uh, see you for the next episode.